0: in a uh, copper pot still. You're going to get a different flavour profile there. But I think Scottish grain has a lot in common uh, with American bourbon.
1: Hello and welcome back to Bourbon Barrel Talk. I'm your host, Scott Minton. Today we have with us uh, Single Cast Nation. Um, We're going to be speaking with Mr. Uh, Jason Johnstone Yellen and Joshua Hatton. How are we doing today, fellas?
0: Very well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Hey, thank you for coming on. Doing just fine.
1: And our co-host today is going to be Mr. Matt Jasnoff. Matt? Hey guys, how are you doing? Good deal. Hey, good.
2: good to see you again, Matt. Always good to see you guys. Glad to be here. Good, good, good. Cheers. Cheers!
1: Hey, so to start us off today, could you give us a brief overview? Some of our fans aren't as familiar with you guys as we are, and uh, could you give us give our listeners a little bit more about who you guys are and how you got here? That may have never heard of Single Cast Nation.
0: To anyone who hasn't heard of us, this is—it's always wonderful talking to a a new audience. So, Single Cast Nation was established in 2011. Joshua and I created the company as, as an American-based independent bottler and whereas the United States has had a tradition of distilleries producing distillate, putting in cask, moving into warehouse and then that mature stock getting sold on to somebody else, moved from warehouse to warehouse, then reappearing a new label, a new story, a new recipe, call it what you will. And you've never really been able to connect that back to the original distillery. And that's been by design. For us in Scotland, we've had an independent bottling tradition going back almost 200 years where the distillery name remains front and centre. So you may fall in love with an independent bottler, Cadenhead, Signatory, Gordon and McPhail, Single Cask Nation. And you may fall in love with the selections being made by that independent bottler. You are still able to know which distilleries product you're drinking, whether it be, um, now I'm going to rattle off some names, some Invergarden as we were talking about earlier, or some Lagavulin or Laphroaig uh, or what have you. In our case, we have independently bottled wild turkey as well. And so that's our crossover between our traditional Scottish independent bottling stance and this American tradition where we have said, hey, We love Wild Turkey. We know a lot of people who love Wild Turkey. How about we put Wild Turkey front and center on the label? And those who love single cast nation selections can also explore the Wild Turkey that we bottle. And as far as I know, we're the only independent bottler in the world who bottles Wild Turkey under our label with the Wild Turkey name on it and natural cast strength.
3: Currently. Now, there was a Swedish, I think it was a Swedish bottler that bottled something in the early 2000s, uh, and, it was, and it was a one-off. So other than that, I, I, think, I think that we're the only ones currently doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah which is a great honor, and we don't yeah. take it lightly. At all.
2: And I don't drink it lightly either. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and and so, so, so let me add some more leaves to the branches here. So, so when we launched, we were online only, singlecastnation.com. Mm-hmm. People would come, they would look at our bottles, they would purchase them, and then we, we would ship direct to consumer. Uh, that became very successful. Uh, in 2017, we added a retail line. We've now just released our sixth batch of retail releases, in the United States. And then that went so well that we actually expanded to global retail. And so we actually have uh, now a third person, Jessica Lomas, who lives and works out of Glasgow in Scotland, close to where I'm originally from. And she's in charge of global retail sales for single cast nation. Um, And so, yeah. We, 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 we have, have never things.
1: guessed you. you. You were from Scotland with that accent. I
0: did. I, I gave it away by telling you. I, uh, I, I didn't leave people to guess too long. We appreciate that. We really do. <laughs> I just hope somebody understood at least one of the words I just said.
1: <laughs> so where are you all currently located? And uh, how are you able to ship whiskey basically to all over the U.S.? Because I know some states have restrictions. I'm saying that yeah. in parentheses. Um, and how are you all able to do those type of things?
3: Right. So, you know, it is a modern company. So where we're located is I'm in Connecticut and Jason's in Virginia. Um, you know, everything is online, except, you know, obviously, except for the physical part. So when it comes to bottling Scotch whiskey, rum, and basically anything outside of the U.S., we have two bottling halls in Scotland that we work with, and then we then we import the product over. We have an importer called Impex Beverages. Uh, so, they, so they bring in all of our malt whiskeys, our rums and such. Uh, when it comes to our American whiskeys, we have a bottling hall in Kentucky that we use, but there are some distilleries we work with as well that do their own bottling, and they'll bottle for us. Like Catoctin Creek is a good example. We've done some Westland uh, bottlings as well. Uh, and those were bottled at their own facilities. All of our warehousing happens in California. So we're, we're warehoused in South San Francisco. And when it comes to our online bottles that, that we ship around the country, I, I just want to be clear in that we cannot ship to all States. You know, there are, okay. we can't, you right. right. Hawaii, Alaska, those, those are definitely, you know, off. Um, I don't know if we could do Utah. I think there's a few others. Yeah. You know, Alabama, some- Mississippi. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we have a retailer. Actually, now we have two retailers that we work with. And we follow their lead. We, we're the okay. independent bottler. The retailer is the legal shipper. And so if the retailer says, guys, legally we cannot ship to A, B, and C, we say okay, that's fine. And if an order comes in, then we have to let that that person know that we can't ship to the address. And you know, do you have a friend in another state? We can ship to them, and maybe they can mule the bottle to you. Right. That's
1: yeah.
2: super cool that you all will allow people to do that. Yeah, and it, and it's interesting. I speaking of your retail line, I mean, I was only I have to drive up to Chicago to go get it. That's the only place I've actually been able to personally find it. Um, and, what What state are so, you in? We live in, well, we're in Kentucky right now. Oh, so. you're
3: in Kentucky now. Um, so we will be getting distribution in Kentucky, hopefully, with our seventh release. So Impex is our importer. Yeah. But, um, and so this is really more specific you know, to our retail line. So Impex sure. is our, our importer, and they just signed two new distribution deals in Kentucky that nice. will hopefully allow us to get more product into your beautiful Dude, state. save me
2: a nine save me a nine hour round trip i appreciate
0: <laughs> it
1: <laughs> come on car trips road trips are nice They're fun well now I you mean, just it, need it someone
0: is. like a Binnie's or a Warehouse Liquors to support us in Kentucky the way those oh. big guys support us in uh, in Chicago
2: if only we knew someone huh. maybe we do
0: maybe we <laughs> figure that one out <laughs> um, <laughs> make it happen chaps make it
1: happen <laughs> So, how, how does I see that you all can become a, a member or have a subscription to Single Cast Nation? How does that work, and are there any specific benefits that come with that?
0: Well, <laughs> so so how that how that answer has changed over <laughs> eight, nine years.
3: <laughs> yeah, so so we'll have to do a little a little bit of a um, a history lesson here and how that all works. <laughs> Um just, just know that none of the, the benefits were like friends with benefits kind of benefits. That, that never <laughs> happened with our membership.
0: Um, but oh, well, but I, I did go home with some people. I will not deny that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. I understand.
3: Right? Take one for the team. <laughs> right? It is a sales game, right? <laughs> and I did. <laughs> so, so when we first started the company in 2011, we, we would sell memberships. And there were three tiers of membership. So, the entry level was $180, and that got you a bottle of your choosing, you know, whichever one we had on sale, a subscription to Whiskey Advocate magazine, a single Cast Nation T-shirt, and and a shiny membership card. That's and two of these. Gonna, yeah, hey, it's oh, all
2: about the shiny membership it is. card. Yeah, and, and then no one cares about the glassware. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's not true. I
3: care about the glassware. No, I want the shiny membership card and the free T-shirt.
1: I want the free T-shirt. Wait a minute, can I get a lapel <laughs> pin with that?
3: <laughs> so, so, so that was the that was the entry level membership. That was that was just called white level. And then there was the silver level and black level, and that went to from four hundred and eighty to nine hundred and sixty dollars. And you know, wow. your benefits increased, right? Like more wood, bottles more More (laughs) yeah more swag
0: more More, membership more years of
3: membership yeah. (laughs) yeah um and you know the interesting thing was we we learned pretty quickly that the silver and black memberships were only purchased as gifts for people who would never take advantage of that membership so We had some people that never even put in the request for the bottles that they wanted. And we reached out to them and would say, you bought this membership. We have the bottles. What would you like? And it was just some guy or some woman who got it as a gift and completely forgot about it. So anyway, so we got rid of those memberships and we stuck with the white level. And then we thought it would be a good idea to create something that we called white light. Which was just thirty six dollars that gave you access to all of the whiskeys that we sold online. You didn't get a shirt. You oh, didn't get glasses. You got the membership card though. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes. All right, yes, all right. one did. out of three isn't bad. Um, <laughs> and you know the the interesting thing is when when we launched the company, we told every member that uh, that we would only be selling to membership that you wouldn't find our bottles on retail shelves. But we found out that we couldn't be a successful company unless we grew in such a way that would allow us to sell onto retail shelves. So we eliminated the membership. We eliminated any membership renewal fees that people had. And and did we
0: do anything else for the existing members, Jason? I don't remember. And no we just we just left the door open for them we just left that the door open the key yeah. that was the key but but so, so now it's interesting membership is simply going to singlecastnation.com and opening an account it's just yeah. your name an email address um and and now you've got the access to it what we have done though and why it still behooves people to become members is now that we've created the retail line We now refer to the online component as our special projects division. So so the wild turkeys that we can only sell via lottery only exist online. Those wild turkeys will not be coming to a retail shelf. And retailers ask us all the time, when will we get our wild turkeys? And it's a very difficult conversation to have. Because on one hand, you have to say, thank you for all of your support. Thank you for going to bat on behalf of Single Cast Nation. I'm really sorry you're not going to get a Wild Turkey because our contract with Wild Turkey does not allow for that. Mm-hmm. However, and, and you, you chaps to have seen this, um, we did the, the batch, the, the two batches that we did, that were the MGP that we'd been sitting on and kind of working and massaging, manipulating in our own way. There you go. mess. yeah. What we did there and something that, we'll, that we'll, we'll do again in the future is we released one batch of that online, which, what, 400-some bottles sold out in two hours, and yeah. then we released a batch into retail, and retailers were able to have some of that excitement from you know customers seeing it launched online, then wanting to put the two batches side by side uh, and explore yeah. them. And so that really felt, everything that Josh and I have ever done with this company is with an eye on collaboration. You know, talking to gentlemen like yourselves, this is fun to us. This is why yeah. we have this company. When we then build a nation and we meet nation members, that's fun. That's why we started this. Our retail partnerships, the same way. We love feeling like we're in it together. And so us being able to show our retail partners, hey, we're thinking about you. We've got something for you that's only for all of you. And they responded very positively to that release. Yeah. And it sold out in retail like that. You know, this the, the yeah, snap I know. of I fingers. Had to, I had to fight to get the other MGP bottle, by the way. <sighs> it's tough. It's really tough. And, yeah. you know, and, and you know, so it's kind of funny. I feel like I'm tooting our own horn a little bit here. But just, just to connect back to what I was saying earlier about that Scottish tradition, when we first released um, LDI, we actually released our Lawrenceburg Distillers in D- Indiana, we put that name front and center on our label. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't try to tell a story. You know, we're not, we're not producers. We, we tell people that we're independent bottlers. And so we, we led with the LDI name, which then became the MGP name, which when we right. did the Whiskey Jubilee Light Whiskey 25-year-old, it was the Joseph E. Seagram's plant. That's right. the transparency that we're living for. And we yeah. love being able to bring that Scottish independent bottling tradition to what we're doing in America. Well, yeah,
2: which thinking. is awesome. You're, you're really never going to see another Seagram's label it's 25 years on (laughs) on another bottle it's just it's Uh, just not gonna happen i actually just poured him uh some of that so super tasty
1: cheers so you 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 you, cheers you you mentioned that uh the mgp and the singer seagrams and and that tie so was that when larry abersol was there
3: oh you know we don't know that name The, the way we accessed our our mgp was actually not directly through them
0: Gotcha. So, okay. So you got a no. third
1: okay. No.
0: I will say I'll say this though, that Larry Ebersole name, that's who did yep. the consulting with Catoctin Creek when they uh, did a no cuts run. That's and right. then we we bought the two barrels of no cuts run, the only two wow. barrels that Catoctin Creek have, we bought those two barrels, combined them, because they were 30 gallon barrels, into a fifty-nine gallon X Culhoman, X Sherry Hogshead. And so yep. that's our that's our Larry Ebersole connection.
1: So Larry, uh, he was the one that kind of perfected that ninety five percent five the ninety five five pro, profile that they they make an MGP that's so daggone tasty. <sighs> um, he's he's the he's the distiller that, that, that started that recipe. So that's
3: fantastic. That ninety five five is so smart. It's it's like drinking magic. I, yeah. I really it is. I really love it. Yeah.
2: So um, I noticed that on your website it does. Uh, make multiple references to you guys making a kosher product, which a lot of people appreciate that from where I used to, from where I came from. Um, and so can you tell us how that just separates you guys a little bit? Cause I know that that's a rare and unique, you know, kind of aspect about you guys that, I mean, I appreciate as well as a lot of other people I've introduced you to.
3: Um, well, the way you're describing that makes me think we need to recheck our website. <laughs> because because what while while we that are That sounds like us. It does sound like right. us. So we are a, uh, a a half a half Jewish owned company so so that's me. Right. Jason still has his foreskin.
0: Um, <laughs> but the but the night is young. <laughs> the night is
3: young. The night is young. But you know we we've <laughs> we have always uh we've always like we lost the Matt brisk. on that one. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Matt now has an image he did not want at the start of this podcast. <laughs> it's a real small one. I'm gonna one, drink, though, I'm so gonna it drink more. It'll he's, go he's, he's
1: European. He has his foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. It does not have anything to do whether he's Jewish
0: or not. He's European. <laughs> yeah, it's my little beret. I don't know what to tell you.
3: <laughs> Look, it could be worse. It could have been a five skin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so so we've we've always had the stance that the Scottish Rabbinical Council had, which is to say that in our opinion, all whiskey is kosher by nature, regardless of production style or maturation style. But then we say that, understanding that not everybody subscribes to that uh, particular stance when it comes to whiskey within the kosher world. So what we've always done from day one is, A, make sure that we never kosher certify our whiskeys because we feel that that goes against our stance of whiskeys are kosher by nature. But two, always ensuring that at least 50% of all of the whiskeys that we sell are Bourbon cask, um, bourbon cask matured rather than a wine cask maturation like sherry or port or something like that, because a lot of kosher keeping Jews, a lot will want to look for that kosher symbol that that certification, but some, if they have an understanding of whiskey, Mm -hmm. will will use a bourbon cask maturation as shorthand for. This is kosher by nature, right? Because the rub has always been, if you put whiskey into a sherry cask or into a cask that previously held some sort of wine, and that wine wasn't certified kosher, does that nullify the kosher status of the whiskey itself? The kosher by nature status of the whiskey itself, right? And you know, I'm going to get real Jew geeky for a second here, and and we'll see how it goes. So there's, there's two stances on this. And so obviously everybody's heard of the Bible. There's something else called the Talmud. And this is uh, a book where rabbis argue together about various things. Mm-hmm. And in the Talmud, it talks about kosher status of food, which can be applied right. to drink. And the idea is if you're walking in a cafeteria and you have a plate of food, And you pass by the bacon table, and then someone's bacon falls onto your plate. Does that make the rest of the food on your plate non kosher now? And the argument is so long as that bacon is only 160th of everything on your plate or less less than 160th, then it's still kosher, you're totally fine. And so we use that thought process when thinking about whiskey maturing in a cask. If you were to take whiskey out of a sherry cask, and take, you know, some sort of, um, you know, lab chemical tools, something like that, to rate how much sherry is in a whiskey, you can mm. rate it in parts per million. So that's oh, okay. far less than the one sixtieth, and so that, right. that's uh, that's that's why we have that stance. But still, yeah. we get other people don't. We we respect their opinion, and that's why we'll always do at least fifty percent of our offerings in bourbon cask or new charred oak, like bourbon or rye or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and it, awesome, it really comes—it
0: it really comes back to what your listeners have heard us say, you know, through this conversation. It's transparency. Yeah. It's how yeah, much information, everybody really appreciates, right? It, it's how much information can we pass on to the consumer. That's that's the most important thing for us. And then we let people make up their own minds, mm-hmm. just you know, draw their own conclusions. But we have right. done our bit and we have shared as much information as we can.
1: So can you guys give us um, an idea of the range of products that you all carry and, and, and that you've put out? Just like I said, this is a lot more for, you know, our listeners to find out more about you guys and things like that. Obviously, yeah. we're we're obviously many alcoholics over here with what we're carrying uh, on. Right
3: now. We're <laughs>
2: drunks. Alcoholics go to meetings. That's we've true. we've decided this over That's and over again.
3: True fact, <laughs> yes. I forgot. My bad. There there yes. is a clear separation. There. It was a
2: very clear
1: Alcoholics alcoholics are quitters. Is that wow,
2: what you're You, you said? just smelled booze and you're drunk already. Good job.
1: <laughs> I, alcoholic is a hard word for me to say i don't even know why it really is
0: yeah yeah i always tell my kids i'm like a chocoholic but for alcohol <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so, so to, to answer the question mm. but now that we've had our own little chance to riff here um when we launched because we were launching as this american independent bottler in a scottish tradition we wanted to be known for Scotch. That was hugely important to us. And so I couldn't even give you a number, but the, the first bunch of releases we did were all Scotches straight out of Scotland. And once we started to, to get a little bit of a following around those Scotch selections, then we started to explore. We, we got some single malts uh, out of Ireland, out of India, uh, we then partnered with Westland on some of their single malts. And and then with the Whiskey Jubilee, we started playing around with American spirits as well. And then the Whiskey Jubilee selections took on a life of their own. Then we started adding the LDI, the MGP. Josh was showing us Angostura rum. Ooh. Um, we added some Mezcal. That's coming soon it is thursday well i don't know when you go live but yeah the 21st may 21 uh, yeah we will have launched an angostura rum that i'm anticipating is going to sell out real fast as well <laughs> maybe not five minutes we have 300 some bottles of it yeah that's so great. six maybe six minutes so so yeah so, <laughs> seven on the long so, side so, so the thing that we always say that's is, what she said we <laughs> I knew somebody couldn't resist no. on that. One. He he said six.
3: She said two. <laughs> Matt's got his wife
0: convinced that the this end is of the, six inches.
3: At the end of the day, the
2: stopwatch broke. It doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if there's a ruler uh,
2: but, tattooed on it that says it's this big, it's that big. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what anyone says.
0: Yeah, his wife has a sign next to the bed that says you have to be this long to write this. <laughs> <laughs> So to conclude the answer (laughs) No, uh, but
2: um,
0: But When we launched a single cast nation It was with an eye to What could we find in a cask And so nothing was off limits So long as it was in a cask Uh, We just had to build the reputation Build the following And build a nation That would trust us on our selections Whatever those selections were of And we're very lucky That's where we live now where now we're getting calls? Can you do Armagnac? Can you do Cognac? Ooh, you Can do you do Arma- Sherry?
2: Ooh. And the Armagnac would be awesome, right? Everybody loves a good yak. Yeah. Um, I'll yeah. tell you what, actually. So the your twelve your twelve year old Glenn Moray was mm. was the first bottle that I actually bought from you guys, and that's oh, what nice. kind of got me hooked on that.
0: Uh, sure. What was, was it? the cask maturation on, on which 12? It was, was the six and six, I think. Yeah,
2: it was the six and six. Yeah, the bourbon barrel for six years, the Madeira cask for six years. So
3: nice. So, so what about, you know, I'm curious because I, I could be wrong, but I think, do you drink more bourbon than you do scotch whiskey? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, so what about the Glen Murray attracted you to that as a bourbon drinker?
2: Well, so I actually started out drinking scotch and then. When I lived, okay. in, so I lived in D.C. for a while. I lived in Maryland, and I worked in Virginia, and so bourbon was kind of just a, a foreign concept out there. So you really get into a lot of your scotches, um, mm-hmm. and then I moved here to Kentucky, and you know my dad's like, "Listen, everything you know about alcohol is out the door. You have to drink bourbon here," <laughs> and so. So I was like, all right, well, I mean, whatever. Went I didn't really Rome, care. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, if you
0: say so, Dad. Yeah, what,
2: whatever. I <laughs> really got to pull my own yeah. leg here. I was 19, 20 years old at this time. So I was at the house, I was there. I, was there, I really wasn't too picky. Um, and then, you know, one thing led to another. You develop your palate a little bit. And then I, I met Travis, and Travis introduced me to the 12 year old Glenn Moray. Oh, and that's right. He loved that one. He did yeah. love that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were at his house drinking it, and I was like, oh, "This is this is fantastic!" Like, where do I get it from? He's like, "Well, here's their website. I actually already ordered you one. It'll be here in a few days." <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, you know what? It didn't go. It didn't, go, it didn't
2: drink- go that smoothly, but. <laughs> that that's how i got to
3: recall him telling me that though okay go on yeah
2: yeah so that so that's kind of how i got started in there is you know i was i'm still fairly new to the game you know became friends with him whenever to his house i saw that and i was like you know let me me try something different i'd I'd love to expand my horizons a little bit tried it i really fell in love with it that night and and it's just kind of gone off from there so um, that's awesome yeah so that that was my experience with it and and then you guys and then and then you sold out of everything like you do. And then I was really sad for a little bit. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it's yeah. funny. Member, membership has taken a bit of getting used to and, and rightly so that we might sit on a release for two years. Please you know, don't we do might this. sell four this week, six that <laughs> week. Uh, and so if you could buy it, you could like it, you could share it with friends. They might come on and buy a couple. They might pass it on to friends. The whole time we've just got inventory sitting in a warehouse, and now, yeah, if if you don't jump on it at twelve noon on the day of its release, it's gone. (laughs) You're you're not getting second chances. Yeah, and Um, it's it's become a bit serious.
2: And and you also ask what's one of the things that caught my eye on this? The main, the second main thing that caught my eye on this was, other than it was an independent bottling of a Glenmore, was that you did it at a barrel proof. And it's mm. not very often that you can see a single barrel scotch on the shelf that sits at a barrel proof. And that to me is really what stood out is, I mean, yeah. everybody likes, and you know, you drink your 80, 90 proof stuff. All right. Eventually that starts to taste like water, but you finally have a barrel proof scotch. You can start to appreciate it a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. You get a lot more, you got a lot more flavor, a lot more character out of it. And so you guys yep. do that, and that's that forty-three-year-old. Thank you for not adding water to it. I appreciate it. But that... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there um, wasn't a
0: lot of room to add water if it wanted to. Yeah, right. To. <laughs> it was um, a little tight.
2: But it's it's things like that that really kind of gets you thinking. All right, well, these guys like this is my first thing. What else is out there? Like I'm on board. They did a great job with this. Let's see what else is out there. Um, yeah, and that's cheers. and
3: that's that's really. You know like Jason said before, the role of an independent bottler is to offer up new flavors, new distilleries you may not have ever heard of. However, an independent bottler I think is is only successful if the cask selections are uh, are are predictable predictable in that you can always count on the quality and and it's really important to us to ensure that everything passes the would you drink it any day, every day? Kind of test. Because people come to, you know, some people are loyal to distilleries and some people will find an independent bottler through a distillery, right? If you're a Glenn Murray fan, you you might look for Glenn Murray with us and Glenn Murray with Gordon McPhail or someone else. Um but but eventually it's a loud bottle <laughs> open. <laughs> Uh, but, but eventually people become loyal to the independent bottler because they trust their palate. And, and that's, that's a big part of what we do. We have to be uh, true to ourselves and what we pick so people can continually trust what we bottle.
0: Yeah, and, and one of the shortcuts that we could commit right now is just by virtue of Single Cast Nation making a release, as we've discussed, it'll sell out in five minutes. There's there's a very small window right now where we could put anything in a bottle and it would sell out in 5 minutes. Right. But you only get to do that so many times. And when you then lose trust with an independent bottler, there's there's no going back. Right. Uh, and so
4: yeah.
0: and so we we continue to be very careful. We continue to only put the best available to us into bottle and because Peace Nation they know they can buy in that first five minutes. So yeah, I,
3: I think can can I just add one thing to what yeah, Jason sure. was saying there. Because I thought I thought he brought up a, a really interesting point is that it, it is kind of strange to say we could put up a product page and put anything on it and at this point in time people will buy it. That's scary to me. Yeah. Because because the reason why people will do that is because right now everybody trusts us. And if we just say, you know, screw it, we, we have to bottle more, we have to sell more, and we start making, uh, you know, we start bottling lesser casks or or just, you know, say, you know, the nose is, isn't great, but it tastes great and let's let's bottle it. That puts us into a really horrible position where people say, oh, you know what? They had that really bad one. I don't know if I'm going to go for the next one. So we never want to take for granted the fact that people are very interested in our whiskeys. They're ready to—whiskies, rums, miscals, whatever. They're very interested in snapping them up as soon as they go up. If anything, it encourages us to be more diligent and ensuring that we are bottling only stuff that we fall in love with.
2: Yeah, I call those other things poor life choices, so I'm glad you guys don't make those. <laughs> so so I've I've actually just given Scott his first taste of a barrel-proof Glenmore that you all did a long time ago, and I'm curious on what his first thoughts are because he's not really a Scotch drinker. I am not okay. much of a Scotch drinker. But I know this drinks more on a bourbon side than a, than a heavy, peaty Scotch side. I know there's a little bit yep. to it, but um, Scott, I kind of want to know what your thought is on it. Besides, you didn't spit it out, so that's no, always it, a good so, thing.
3: So I, why is he gagging? <laughs> <laughs> the
2: camera's frozen. It's okay. <laughs>
1: um, it's it's actually it in it, it's not bad. Okay, I, I'm not a Scotch guy. Like I said, I'm not a Scotch guy. Listen, I I'll still, take not bad. I, I still get a lot of that a lot more peaty flavor than I will typically care for. So, um, but I will tell you this: it's got a great. Um, it's all the peaty flavor to me is on the front side of my tongue. So when it first enters my mouth, I get it, but the finish is actually really, really good. Um, I get a lot of those sweet, um, notes that I would typically expect out of a bourbon, um, and things to that nature. Yeah. But, but that, that up front, man, when, when it first hits the tip of my tongue, I'm like, Ooh, this is different than what I'm used to drinking. So
0: <laughs> I just, I always wonder if, if that malted barley is doing something to the bourbon lover's palate. That they're that they're not accustomed to. It doesn't so, have that same so, overt sweetness. So what's as the a percentage
1: corn. of malted barley that's in there? I mean, is is so hundred percent? Oh, so it's hundred yeah. percent malted barley. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought that there was a better. I thought there was more of a blend of that than scotch. Like I said, I'm not a big scotch drinker. So, uh,
0: no. By law, scotch must be one hundred percent malted barley.
3: Gotcha. No. By by law, single malt whiskey must be one hundred percent barley. Scotch could be a blend. Look at me, schooling the Scotsman. New guy, so
0: sad. So sad. Where'd you get the
3: new guy from? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we we actually have a, a local guy here in uh, Southern Indiana. His name's uh, Donum Day, and he actually started making a Scotch whiskey type whiskey, but it's obviously not Scotch because it's not made in Scotland. But uh, it's it's a hundred percent malt, and uh, he okay. was he was a brewery a brewer first, and um, he's also made a few other um whiskeys off of his traditional beer batches. So it might be something that's, it might be, it might be a combination of wheat, barley, and, um, some other grain that's a, that's a weird adjunct and he will make it into a whiskey. Um, so uh, nice. So nice.
0: That sounds very cool. Yeah. San Diego distillery play around with grains in that way. Westland play around with grains in that way. Yeah. I love seeing it. I, I love that kind of level of innovation. So,
1: Hey, I, I want to be able to give you guys a little bit uh, a chance to plug here. I know you guys have your own your own podcast, which is One Nation Under Whiskey, and I think that's where the it's one came friend. from when I said one single cast nation is because I was like <laughs> the podcast is One Nation Under Whiskey. But uh, so, how's the podcast helped you get information out about your brand or about you know what you guys are doing?
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah it, that's,
3: it, it, well, it's so. It's an interesting thing. It, it, it definitely is or can be single cast nation centric, at least the news part of it. You know, the the last thing that we wanted to be was was a uh, you know another podcast that delivers other people's news. Rather, we wanted to focus on the and we wanted to focus on giving people a behind the peak, you know, behind the curtain peak. Into the whiskey industry, through the lens of conversations with distillers and blenders, and independent bottlers and and such. And so, really, it's it's more of a, a geeky whiskey insiders conversation, um, with the news being a focus on what's going on with single Cast nation. And you know, we do we do occasionally, you know, get a bit off topic and and talk with.
0: You know. Us? What I don't know what you're talking who about. Us? People
2: people drinking together get off topic? This is unheard yeah. no, of. Not not absurd. I'm sure. <laughs> not sure where but,
0: any of this is coming from.
3: But you know, we we've done an episode with uh Matthew Reese, who was in the show The Americans, and he's got uh, he was in the uh, what is that, Mister Rogers' movie recently? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we just interviewed a, a particle physicist over over a couple of whiskeys. So we got to just talk about the universe and particles while while getting happy on whiskey. And so it's just it's just about sharing good whiskey information, yeah. uh, But also just having good conversations over good drink.
0: Yeah. I can't, can't and you can't get much that, other than that. so yeah. I, it's it's part of that it's part of that collaboration talk again, yeah. Right? Working with somebody else, talking to somebody else, hearing from someone else, learning about someone else—it's all fascinating stuff and yeah. a lot of fun. It, so it yeah, is truly we'll be Really awesome. happy with the podcast.
2: That's awesome. So um, I have a kind of two questions for you. Um, one of them is going to be: so, Single Cast Nation as a brand, you know, where do you kind of see yourself five years from now? I mean, do you technically <laughs> like is your plan to te- to have that retail line in you know, a majority of states across the United States. Are you, are you guys happy with where you are right now? I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm happy with where you are right now. Please don't change it, but wait a minute. I
1: could use a little more. So, I mean, we can take know. a trip. It's only four and a half hours. The East
2: end bridge cuts off four and a half an hour, So we're okay.
1: So Josh, maybe you can answer this. Why don't you dive in a little bit more about the whiskey Jubilee product and what has that done for the, for the brand?
3: And please bring it back. uh you know whiskey jubilee started in in 2012 and it was the whole reason that we started it was because a whiskey fest uh new york switched their show from like a like a wednesday like tuesday wednesday to a friday which in new york city if you've ever been to whiskey fest new york there's more liamacas than there are kilts. It's a yeah. it's a very Jewish very heavy true. festival, and so I've
2: been there one time. When
3: okay, so so you know what I'm talking about. I do. And um, and so in 2012, when that happened, we had a lot of the producers and uh, importers and such reach out to us and say, "Hey, you guys, you're the Jewish whiskey guys. Can you can you do something for us?" And so we basically in <laughs> It, in the period of four and a half weeks, we put together uh, a festival, and we got well, it was maybe 150 people there, somewhere around there, and 30 tables or so. And th- the show was a success. Nika actually launched their whiskeys into the U.S. through our festival, which was kind of a cool thing. Um, but in year two. We wanted to take that idea a little further and do something in the U.S. that no one was currently doing, and that was release a festival bottling along with that festival. Now, outside of the country, you can go to Whiskey Live Paris and enjoy the show and buy the Whiskey Live festival bottlings right there at the show without issue because the French laws aren't as silly as some of our U.S. laws. Um, so what we did is we we ran the whiskey jubilee bottles through the retailer that that sells our single cast nation or you know that ships our single cast nation bottles, and if you look at the first bottle, I'll show it to you. Of course, the listeners can't see it, but our first bottle was was this guy, which was a uh, a fifteen year old heaven hill.
2: I know. I'm telling you, I've been trying to find that.
3: Good luck. This goes for $4,000. I know. You keep
2: there. on rubbing it in.
3: Jesus. <laughs>
4: you
1: act like you have some kind of benefits because you own the company or something. Yeah, right? I know.
4: <laughs> this, this, oh, I've got this 13 my, more in the back. <laughs>
3: this may be my second daughter's bat mitzvah. We'll see. Anyway. Um, Whoa. I'm just joking. Listen, I'll that's a, that when I see it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I do, I do not flip our bottles. Anyway. Um. And so, and so, what we did is, we had our in-house designer I'll come over and pick it up. <laughs> Mo, <laughs> uh, we had our in-house designer Mo just create this guy hanging out on a brownstone stoop drinking whiskey, and then year two, shit, and then year two, <laughs> he met someone. <laughs> And so this is, so year one was the Heaven Hill, year two was a collaboration we did with, with High West. And so actually Dave Perkins at the time, uh, gave us some whiskey to play with and said, why don't you create a whiskey for your festival, create the blend, put it in front of me. If I approve it, let's do it. And so this was a combination of, um, a six-year-old rye, eight-year-old bourbon, 12-year-old light whiskey, all of it from MGP or LDI. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first um,
0: time we were introduced to yeah. light whiskey. We're Fell in love with the category. Yeah.
3: And then and then with each festival, we changed distilleries or we changed what what cast type we, we would go with if we went with a uh, distillery a second time, like we've done a couple Westland ones. Um, and it was just a good way to to get people excited about independent bottling. Um and yes, it was a way for us to highlight Single Cast Nation. The only way you can get a Whiskey Jubilee bottling is if you went to the Single Cast Nation table. You get a taste of it. You put your name on, on a sheet of paper with your email. The next day or a few days later, we would email you a URL, and then you had 24 hours to purchase it. And if you missed purchasing it, then we go to the next people on the list. And believe it or not, there are a lot of people who missed purchasing, even though they put their names on the list, because they probably forgot they put their name on the list. I
4: probably at that <laughs> point they And then when
3: they,
0: they received did. an email from I like, us, I like Matt shaking his head at that one with his head in his hands. Well, it. Okay. Well,
1: for me, it's kind of similar too. For the for the for the, p- for the pappiness bottle, um, I didn't get through the first time or the second or the second time. Mm-hmm. But then, like, mm-hmm. literally, like a week after, you guys had already said you were sold out. Like I got an email from you guys saying, "Hey, by the way, you can have a couple of bottles." And I'm like, "Great!" I ordered two bottles, so I even get two. So it was it was even a better surprise for me. So I've already smashed one, and I've got one that's you know getting ready to be cracked pretty soon. So
0: nice, nice. Yeah, there's nothing like running a lottery, giving people 24 hours to buy a bottle, then they don't. So you expand it to the next round, and then they don't buy, and you expand to the next round. But the lotteries are a real pain in the took us, but they, they make good sense and, and people feel like they've been dealt with fairly uh, when we run the lotteries for the, the American releases. And so we'll continue to do that because the demand is overwhelming.
2: So so I got to ask, are you ever going to bring Jubilee back? Maybe as like a one-off or a...
0: Yeah, watch this space. Okay. <laughs> all right, that's fair yeah, as, as Joshua said when we mothballed it Never say never again Okay all right. Which is also the name of one of my favorite Bond movies But that's by the by
2: I respect you so much for saying that So you're <laughs> Sean Connery You're a big Sean Connery fan then I guess, oh, right? Okay, come on, <laughs> come on,
0: yes. there, come on. Yes. 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 Of course I am Bond? Yes. Like, I'm, I'm not following <laughs> The day's mine
4: <laughs> So
3: yeah,
0: do, do, Jason
3: doesn't like to tell people, but he's a real Roger Moore fan. Oh, you dirty, uh, dirty, (laughs)
0: dirty bastard. What a horrible thing to say about anybody.
1: (laughs) Oh, goodness. It's like saying I like Pierce
2: Brosnan.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Hey, listen, Pierce
2: was a pretty boy, so.
0: He was all right. I stopped watching Bond movies uh, during the Pierce Brosnan years. Yeah.
1: So, hey, I always talk about, you know, a favorite kid, you know, so uh, you guys have released a lot of products over the years. So is there, you know, a couple of bottles that are kind of special to you in the old heart and w- yep. w- which ones are they? And, you know, uh,
2: is there any way of, uh, of us getting one? <laughs> also, also on, on a side note, you, you're a big George Lazenby fan, right? <laughs>
0: You know, you know, like, what, what could I say? I mean, how, how could you uh, not
2: like Her Majesty's Secret Service? But... <laughs>
0: you know, to this day, I have still never seen it. I don't blame you. I will not be changing through <laughs> the rest of my days. That's fine. I
2: can respect that. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, actually, I, I, an absolute go to bottle for me um, is our first Chicago Jubilee bottling. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, that that was an eight year old American light whiskey that had spent time finishing in an ex IPA cask that was an ex rye cask. Uh, And we'd used the rye in house, we'd used the IPA in house, and we put the light whiskey into that cask. And then we bottled it at what, 65.1%? You were (sighs) talking earlier, Matt, about. You know what do you call it? Barrel proof. Now nat- we call it natural cast strength. Right. Um, you know, a- as it comes out the cask, that's what went into the bottle. I love that. And uh, yeah, sixty five point one. What I love about it is light whiskey has got this wonderful orange gumdrop quality put into the cask that had held the IPA beer. You got this wonderful citrusy hop oil running through it. Oh, nice. And then and then the malted sweetness from the beer. Added to it. So you're this multi beer sweetness meets orange gumdrop spice meets um, uh, hop, oil, citrus quality. Yeah. It, it's for me, I, I return to that again and again and again. And we sold that for $85 a bottle.
2: I, I mean, I've 85 bucks, so I'm more than happy to pay shipping too.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you, that's kind of interesting you mentioned you mentioned that because it's technically a, a third fill on that same barrel, then correct? Exactly. And that's kind of a unique that's kind of a unique process because you'll have um, I don't know in, in my kind of experience, a lot of people shy away from a third fill barrel at some point they they basically think well, the second time you use it, it's done. It's got nothing left yeah. in there. So what, yeah. made, what made you decide to, to take that risk? I mean, obviously it paid off,
0: but... So for us, it wasn't so much about the wood influence. We really didn't need the oak. Mm-hmm. What we were really chasing was the rye that was in the pores and then the IPA that was in the pores. The IPA beer had also been matured in the cask with fresh mustard seeds. So, okay. So, wow. when you then have this light whiskey, you're just looking at drawing that kind of alcohol, um, ABV extraction from the pores. That's what we were looking for. Um, and so, we didn't need very long on that finish at all to yeah. really pull some of the flavors that we were hoping for. Yeah. Um, and then, actually, those two batches that we released, there was a cask, one of the casks in that batch came from that prior experiment as well. Um, And had never been used as a single cask. It only went into the batch. And one thing I want to point
3: out, because Jason, you'd mentioned the fresh mustard seeds in the cask.
4: Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
3: Uh, I want to be really clear about that. So we bottled the IPA. So we worked with Schmaltz Brewing, who their beers are Hebrew beers. Yep. Um, And so their brewer... Put in their Mana IPA with the fresh mustard seeds, but the he told us the mustard seeds weren't there for flavor. It was a texture thing, and so when you taste the beer, you get this really luscious texture in a beer that's you almost get a stout like texture in that beer, like you you know, which is unusual to get a stout like texture in an IPA.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, yeah, but from that, a seed. From a seed, but that. The flavor of the mustard was never imparted into the beer and was never imparted into the whiskey either.
1: That's so odd because I was going to ask you if that was more for a a smoothness for the beer than what it was, the actual thing. I I was a brewer before I got into whiskey, um, so I'm a a big, big beer guy um, in my previous life. um, But now I've moved on to bourbon because it's way less calories.
2: Bigger and better things. I get it. It makes yeah.
1: sense. So, but uh,
4: <laughs> you uh,
2: made a right choice.
1: But while you were talking about that, all I could think about was, man, I bet that would be great with a Scotch egg and some Coleman's mustard. Ooh. Oh, I bet that would. I
2: bet that would actually be really good.
0: <laughs> well, so so what we actually did was, at, at one of the New York Jubilees we released the beer, and then at the following uh, Chicago Jubilee we released the whiskey, and and then what I would do when people came over to my house is I would pour the whiskey next to the beer uh, and in scotland we call that a half and a half i, I don't know you always you, you call it a boilermaker so um so we're taking a, a boiler road maker trip is when you drop it in though. N- no see that's a myth that's an absolute myth <laughs> a, a boilermaker is just serving it on the side a lot of college students have taken to dropping it into the beer but no that's a myth that you have to drop a boilermaker into a beer yeah. fair enough this is serious business. I'm not going to take this line hey, down. That's it's right. You know, it's like what? the old
1: school Irish car bomb. You know, you drop it into the see, Guinness. Yeah. You know, uh,
0: and that yeah. that was the drop in that oh. that by its very nature. Yeah, the Irish love that name, by the way. So just passing that on to my Celtic brethren. <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, see when you see when you pour the Jubilee beer next to the Jubilee whiskey with the cask in common. It's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And I just poured my last...
2: I'm not going to lie. I've never actually seen the Jubilee beer before.
0: I'll tell you something, Matt, because I like you. Um, it was... The the selling and shipping of it was a disaster. Absolute disaster. I mean, I can we only broke. imagine. Yeah, we, we destroyed more beer than we got into houses. It was a disaster. Um, and that's the beginning, middle, and end of that story. It was a disaster. I don't know. Maybe, maybe one yep. day
2: I'll run across a bottle of it, but we'll see.
0: I'd be surprised. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> Unless you're going through a garbage can <laughs> or a recycling bin full of broken brown glass. So, yeah, that was, it was really disappointing, but phenomenal beer. Yeah. I think I maybe had 12 of them. Yeah. And the I, and only I drank 12 it, and of them. Yeah, well, in Joshua had 12, and I think that was about it. <laughs> I got
3: smashed. I have one left, and I've got one archive bottling.
2: So table. I, I know we're on a podcast, but can I see it? I've, I've, just, I've literally just never even seen it before.
3: Yeah, give me. Uh, excuse me, while I whip this out. That's fine. Um, yeah, yeah let, let me. Yeah, well, let's not say that
2: on. He has no <laughs> idea what <NBA> he's <laughs> doing.
0: Excuse me. Well, yeah, let, Look, what, and what is could go wrong knees, from there? That tells its own story. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Do you so, keep a
2: fridge under your desk?
3: No, I just here I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you. Oh, so, come on man. So that's that's my it's, scotch whiskeys sure. and my dusties and my blends. Yeah. And then over here is some of my bourbons and stuff yeah. and then over there is archive and so I was digging around in archives.
2: Now no one no one can see what he's showing us right now but there's about 7862 bottles that he just showed us in about 32 <laughs> seconds. <laughs>
3: That's pretty much it. <laughs> um, so hell of a bunker, <laughs> yeah, right. So this, so this, so it was called Manna on Rye. Huh.
2: That is, and, that is uh, an awesome name. First, it of is all. absolutely,
3: yeah. And then you know it gets back to this collaboration. Yeah, it was a collaboration ale between Schmaltz and we used to be called Jewish Whiskey Company. Now our our, our company name is J J Spirits. Uh, and then you can see here it was. For for the whiskey jubilee and there hot manna, India IPA. It shows you the mustard seeds. That's
2: awesome, manna on a That's yeah. a good name for it.
3: And bottle number one. <laughs> that's <laughs> a, that's uh, absolutely delicious. So did y'all
0: rock yeah, paper scissors that for end.
3: that?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we what, just wait, hang what? out with
3: it. <laughs> oh, I I heard Scissor Sisters. I heard something completely <laughs> different.
0: Okay, only
2: well, came in the last part of let that conversation. A... It was weird.
0: <laughs> so, all right. so that was my bottle, Joshua. What's your bottle? <laughs> um,
3: do you know? Um, I've I've been sipping on something. Oh, my cat's here. My spirit. Um, I've been your sipping cat's name is something. Spirit. So let me tell you something. So. so Years ago, we had gotten our daughters for Hanukkah kittens. We're we're a cat family. We like kittens. And so we got these two boy cats, and they wanted to name – and at this time, they're probably like five and seven. And so they wanted to name them um, Diamond and like Star or something like that. And my wife says to a five- and seven-year-old, we got you cats – not cross-dressers. <laughs> let's, let's figure out real names. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so they, we ended up s- settling on Spirit and Tiger, but Spirit having nothing to do. Like Tiger's name was supposed to be Chichibu, which is a Japanese whiskey. Um, he ended up being Tiger. Anyway. Not,
2: he's not Rye of the Tiger? <laughs>
3: this is ridiculous. Oh, the Rye of the Tiger. Oh, I like that. Um, so speaking of Rye... So what I've been sipping on, I find myself reaching for, is something that we haven't released yet, but it's going to be bottled <laughs> in June.
2: I'll mark it on my um, calendar. It's
3: fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll show mm. you the
0: bottle.
2: Okay. That's great. That's a beautiful bottle.
0: Yeah, it's literally a yeah. bottle. It's an yeah, uncircumcised it's our- bottle in case anyone's wondering an what it looks bottle. like. <laughs>
3: um but it, it is a, it's an MGP rye that we're collaborating with Whistlepig on. Hey,
2: there you and,
3: go. And so it's um, the label will say that it's 12 years old, mm-hmm. but it was distilled earlier than that. Oh. That's all I'll say there. Um, and it was basically uh, rye into tokai casks, which is Hungarian uh, dessert wine. And so you have a mixture of the sweetness from the Hungarian dessert wine and the richness from Hungarian oak. And so you have this, like this, this, that, you know, lovely 95, five MGP rye there, but then this incredibly thick mouthfeel and sweetness that the Tokai gives you. And then this rich finish from the, from the Hungarian oak. And I just, I cannot stop drinking this. And I'm I'm a Scotch whiskey drinker first and foremost, but I can't stop drink. I can't stop.
2: So do you want my credit card now or later? I'm just, I'm just. Wondering. <laughs> I'll just send you a picture of it. <laughs> Keep it on file. It's okay. Yeah,
1: because I, I, I love me some rye, and uh, I actually, when we were in Switzerland, um, last summer, we were drinking all these crazy dessert wines, and one of them was a Hungarian dessert wine, and I wonder if it was the oh, same one. Nice. So of course oh, it'll be of
2: course it'll be a lottery. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get my yeah. computer turned <laughs> on
1: just 1 minute early? <laughs> <laughs> you'll get entered into the lottery just like everyone I else. Oh god. <laughs> You're not better exactly than yet. Yeah,
0: you'll have you'll have 48 hours to get your name down and then it's the luck of the draw.
2: There you go.
3: Yeah, yeah. The dollar it's, for every it, time I heard that. And the strength the strength is gonna be somewhere in the the mid to upper fifties. We don't know the exact strength right now. Sure. So the label the labels will actually be handwritten in with the ABV, whatever it happens to be on the day of bottling. Okay. But it's somewhere in the mid to upper fifties.
2: Yeah. I mean that's good. And so this is really the first time you guys is this the first time you guys have done a true rye collaboration like that? Or
3: uh it's it's not the first time we've bottled Rye, but this was a collaboration with Whistle Pig. Because this is the first time Whistle Pig has ever sold to an independent bottler, right? I mean, if you th- if you think about it, the juice isn't even theirs.
2: Because the, I know um, that they do. It's like it's either MGP or
0: um, or the Alberta Rye. Yeah, 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 the, yeah They no. they they to our minds uh, have that independent bottling streak. The mm-hmm. way that High West, uh, oh. when David Perkins was still running it, the very smooth very ambler. similar yeah. crossover smooth ambler, yeah. absolutely. Uh, where, yeah, you've got your stills running and you're producing yourself, but you're also bringing in, putting your own spin on it, telling your own story mm-hmm. and getting a following that way, which I think is very smart. So, yeah, we're we're excited to to, to partner with that. Oh, man. You had to pull that so we guy did. out. The, oh, we yeah, did. that was a ride. I don't even remember that release. People talk to me about this all the time. I don't
3: remember it. So because people don't have eyeballs while they're listening to this, This is an eight year old MGP rye bottled in 2015. How many bottles? Um, uh, That was 131 bottles. And then we also did rye with Catoctin Creek.
4: Oh, this is is one of my.
3: When you had asked, what (laughs) what are some of your favorite bottlings? Mm -hmm. This Catoctin Creek two year old is high, Um, it's in my top three of all the whiskeys we've bottled. And that includes our, that 43 year old Inver Gordon our 28 year old Buna Haben, And like, this is just liquid magic.
2: Yeah. I mean that, yeah. even, but the two year old milk and honey you all just did was, was pretty tasty too. So
0: yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. You, did your bottle come yeah.
2: in? No, I, I actually didn't get there in time, but a, a friend of mine got it and he sent me a sample awesome. of it. So
0: awesome. Good. Um, That's good. Awesome. Yeah, glad, glad to have that level of sharing going on. Yeah, yeah the online version was X rum cask. Yeah. And the retail version was X bourbon cask. Ooh, but that uh, milk and honey spirit is yeah. so good.
2: Yeah, I, I uh I will get the bourbon cask next. Uh, next on my list, right? Yeah. Hey, so yep. well, um, keep
0: keep your eyes on retail.
2: Uh, all right, fine. Another road trip. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Here we go. <laughs> Um so and and then I I also wanted to touch base with these you. you mentioned um High West. What do y'all think of their campfire because that was the closest <laughs> to the scotch whiskey that I've ever tasted from a bourbon and it was a little strange and what did you all yeah. think about that?
3: Well, I'm I'm a bit biased uh when that product was deep being developed I was on the tasting panel for it. <laughs> If I told you, I wasn't surprised. (laughs) So, so yes. So so David Perkins had come up with, well, he went through a bunch of iterations and in the end he had, he had three that he thought would work. Mm -hmm. And so he sent, uh, he sent a bottle to me, to John Hansel of formerly whiskey advocate and a couple other people. And, and I think, I think we unanimously selected what the first batch was. It was, you know, version C, whichever one that was. And that was 11 years ago now, maybe. So I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, I thought it was fantastic because it took people out of their comfort zones. Yeah, And that's yep. one of the things that I liked about David Perkins is that he enjoyed taking people out of their comfort zones through the lens of really good whiskey, I
2: mean it's always it's always about trying new things and
0: yeah and yeah I, and what a brave move and what a smart move to introduce peated scotch to American spirit like yeah that's that's just mad genius sitting at home wondering what he can get away with yeah and just and just doing it he, he had such a terrific palate um, yeah that, yeah yeah we're we're very dear friends of of David. That's awesome.
1: So I've got one more question for you guys, and then uh, we'll we'll start to wrap up. So what one of the new uh, one of my new favorite crazes is a, a toasted barrel. Have you all looked into doing something in, in that avenue or route?
3: So when it comes to American whiskey, we're we're not looking at that, but thinking of Glenn Murray, uh, we're working with Glenn Murray on a, I think a nineteen or twenty year old. That spent most of its life in first fill bourbon, but then was transferred into a toasted oak cask. And Glen Murray, they've been really, they've been very experimental. You know, back years ago, they were owned by Glen Morringee, and Glen Morringee would use Glen Murray as a testing ground for what they could potentially do for Glen Morringee. So you can find a lot of really interesting things in Glen Murray's warehouses. And they had a huge amount of just, you know, new charred oak, toasted oak, heavily toasted oak, uh, you know, just to see what would happen with the spirit. And I think it's absolutely lovely. I've got a few Glen Murray's up there that are all like 16, 17-year-old new charred oak, and it's magical. So, um, So we are looking at that. We don't know when we'll bottle it, but uh, we are looking at it. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, another cask that we're that we're very fond of uh, in that ilk is what used to be called D char rechar and is now called Shaved Toasted and
1: rechar.
0: Uh, um, uh, so,
3: so you were talking about D char rechar, which has become STR Shaved Toasted rechar. Yep, gotcha. That's
0: what I was saying before. I, I don't know. It's raining over here. Sometimes our internet just goes to shit when it rains. I just, I just
2: don't think it wants you to tell those deep dark secrets to everybody, yeah. is really what it comes man down to. Man, oh, me. man.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. I've sat and enjoyed the entire broadcast on my end. I haven't lost one second. I just can't participate. Uh,
1: so I, I kind of lied because I, I do want to piggyback my question now. Um, what about, what do you all think about French oak?
3: Yeah. Mm. Um, I guess it depends on what perspective you're talking about. Um, well, I get, I, I, actually, I retract that. The only time I've ever had French oak with American whiskey was through uh, Balcones, and I thought that it was called Froke and I thought that that was a delicious release. That was for maybe three, four years ago. And I like French oak, but it, it could be incredibly uh, – how should I say this? It takes over. French oak could really take over, especially if it's new charred, because it's so incredibly spicy. So, being used as a finish, you know, like new French oak being used as a finish, I like used French oak could do some really fun things because you get a lot of fruitiness. Those spices kind of convert to a fruitiness, which could be really nice. But you just don't see it a lot in American whiskeys. You see it more. In, in malt whiskeys coming from overseas. Yeah,
1: we, we we just did a a tasting with Oak and Eden and they had a French Spire that was uh in one of their American whiskeys. Okay. So I was just kind of curious, like I said, I I, I had the to, I had the toasted question and then it just kind of popped in my head. I was like, "Ooh, what about French Oak?" because that's something I really haven't seen that much of, but it definitely had a flavor that I enjoyed, but I but it was definitely unique.
3: If you if you ever want to dip a toe into PD whiskeys, he, and he you may say,
2: not. "God, I wish you would." I, I were- don't. I do. <laughs> I do. I do, though. I Though,
3: I'll, I'll jump okay. on that train. So,
2: <laughs> like I tried this
3: craftenga. Uh, uh, oh, the craftenga. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I could oh, not there do you it. Go. <laughs> there yeah, you know, want you to talk about a peaty scotch? Yeah, but uh, oh, you don't like barbecue. Are interested? If people are interested in French oak, but also like peaty whiskies, Ardbeg Kvrekken is a great whiskey to explore because it's their smoky whiskey in, in new French oak. So you get that spice, but you also get some of that smoke going on as well. Good deal. Good deal. That's all I was going to say.
1: Well, Hey gentlemen, we're running up on time. Um, if, if people want to reach you guys, how do they do that? Facebook, Twitter, just give us the details.
3: So they can email us. We're info at singlecasknation.com. That's It's pretty easy. Um, they can Facebook us, uh, there is a single cast nation group, but it's members only. So if you see a group that's just called single cast nation and you go to join it, you have to sign up for a free membership first. And then this is the most important part. You're asked four very simple questions. Have you signed up for the group yet? Yes or no. If it says no, then we won't let you in. Um, and then there's a few other ones that we care far less about. We just want you to be part of the nation. Um, so you could do Instagram? that. Instagram. We are at Single Cast Nation, and on Twitter we are at. What's that? Oh, Mon- we're
0: at Monocaskism.
3: At- <laughs> monocaskism,
0: yeah.
1: Monocaskism. I love it.
0: Single cask nation is one letter too long for Twitter. And so we went with (laughs) monocaskism.
1: We had the same problem. Bourbon barrel talk was too big, so it was like bourbon barrel T1 is what we had to stick with. There you go. go. Damn Twitter.
2: (laughs) Get more characters.
1: So, hey, guys, thanks a lot for coming on. If you want to reach yeah, Bourbon Barrel you. Talk, you can find us on Twitter, uh, Bourbon Barrel Tea. Um, you can also get us at Instagram and Facebook at Bourbon Barrel Talk. Um, this is Scott Mitten, Matt Jasnoff, and uh, our fine fellows from Single Cast Nation, Josh and Jason, signing off.